You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Essential Apple Podcast 141. And this week is going, of course, to be the Johnny Ive Exit Strategy Edition. So um, that's not the only thing in the news. That's not the only thing in the news. Um, The iOS 13 and Catalina public betas were launched. um, And I, of course, ignored all good sense and dove headlong into them. Uh, consequences be damned, which has already bitten me on the arse. More about that later. Um, What's it like on the white-hot bleeding edge? Well, I'll tell you in a bit. Um, Apple have bought uh, a self-driving car company that was on the edge of collapse. Uh, What does that say? And, uh, well, of course, the biggest story of the week, uh, Johnny Ive is leaving. Um, There are some other stories we'll cover as well, but uh, to help me... uh, go over these stories. I'm joined by Nick. Hello, Nick. Hi, Simon. You early adopter, you. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I know. Madness, madness as ever. But, you know, I love it. I love it. If you count the number of beta programs I'm running, it's it's dangerously high. <laughs> and I'm also <laughs> I'm also joined by Donnie. Hello, Donnie. Hello. So this, this uh, recording has a chance of not happening, even though you're recording it with all the beta stuff. <laughs> no. Actually, that, I'm not running the beta right now because um, just before the show, or about 10 minutes before, uh, I thought, well, I better get set up. So uh, I opened Audio Hijack and it said, Audio Hijack is not, uh, you know, qualified against this OS. Uh, you can proceed anyway. So I said, OK, I'll proceed anyway. Um, and it launched and it was all fine, except all the output channels had big yellow triangles on them. Um, so then I checked and Loopback wasn't running. So I thought, oh, I'll, I'll open Loopback then manually. I opened Loopback and Loopback said, Loopback 1 uh, does not in un- un- any, any way, shape or form work with the Catalina beta. Um, and uh, to have any chance of it working at all, you must have Loopback 2. So uh, emergency fallback position, reboot the Mac uh, from my clone drive. Uh, <laughs> uh, and get everything up and running from that. But uh, the only drawback from that is obviously that's a USB drive. And I'm, I've am i asked Nick to do a backup recording just in case the slowness of the drive causes any uh, glitches in my recording. So uh, <laughs> there we go. That's what I mean. Be brave. Go beta. Get bit on the arse. There we are. Uh, but other than that, actually, I have to say... Um, I've been running the the beta for about well, when did they launch it? Wednesday, Tuesday? I can't remember. Um, <laughs> it, it's been very good actually. The finder is quite sluggish, but it is the first public beta, so I, I can forgive that. Other than that, it's, it's uh, really quite good. I've not had any terrible uh, issues with it, so um... jolly good. I think I'll stick to the official launch day. <laughs> and of course i or be or beyond that in all honesty because i mean <laughs> up until recently i was running high sierra for quite a long time yeah there is there is a lot to be said for that don't you know don't get me wrong don't get me wrong um and of course i also uh 
dove straight into the iOS 13 beta, um, and that also is actually performing incredibly well, uh, I have to say. Um, visually, a few changes, most mostly for the be better, I think. Um, and that seems to be performing very well. I've, I've got a, an annoying glitch uh, on mail on iOS that it refuses to um, remove the last unread mail marker. Uh, it, it, it's constantly saying there's one, one uh, email unread, even when there are no emails unread. I've sent that one. I've sent that one back to, uh, to Apple on the feedback. But other than that, uh, I've not come across anything that's not working properly. So that's, that's totally pretty good. good. And uh, that's good. I've not, you know, I've not noticed any obvious slowdown or excess battery drain or, or anything else. So for a, for a, you know, first public beta, that's pretty good. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm impressed with that, especially as the, you know, the developers were saying the first developer beta was buggy as buggy as buggy can be. But there we are. So uh, where shall we start? Where shall we start? Apple have bought a self-driving startup, uh, which was called Drive AI, apparently just days before it went bankrupt. Um, I've got a link here to Verge. I'm sure it's elsewhere. Um, apparently, Drive AI uh, was a fairly unique startup on the, uh, you know, on the self-driving autonomous uh, car front. Uh, in that they were focusing, I believe, on creating kits to allow um, non-smart cars, as it were, to become smart. Um, did you read this? I mean, you're into electric vehicles and, and the like, uh, Nick. Yeah, yeah. I'm just having um, just having a quick look through it now. So it appears that they're also running a ride-hailing service. Yes, they of, were. Of, of autonomous vehicles in Texas. Mm. Um, so yeah. It, it's it's I'm, strange. I'm surprised. I'm surprised Apple have bought them because they seem to have suddenly lost interest in. I mean, not in AI as a whole, but in vehicle technology. Um, I don't know if they have. I mean, they they kind of scaled back Project Titan and reassigned a load of people, but I don't necessarily think that that means they've lost interest. It could just be that they're refocusing on a certain area. Um, yeah, I suppose that's true. No, if you when you start a project and maybe you're kind of examining all the avenues, you might want to have you know three, four hundred people working on it. And when you sort of go right, well, that's not going to work, and that's not going to work, and that's too expensive, and that's ugly, and you know a dodgy, <laughs> cl yeah. you know, clutch. You might go right, well, all those divisions, we'll close all those because they're all dead ends, and we'll focus on the one which we think is going to lead somewhere. Um, so it's, it says they've got a a fleet of modified Nissan NV200. I don't know whether that's NV200s or ENV200s. Uh, no, I don't the, know. Because the NV200 is a is a petrol vehicle, well, petrol or diesel, Yeah. whereas the ENV200 is the electric version. Hmm. Um, oh, yeah. interesting. It's, it struck me as, um, because apparently this company were about to close and lay everybody off. Um, and as it says here on The Verge, uh, Recently, they were valued at two hundred million. Apparently, this company. I wonder how much Apple got them for. <laughs> well, probably whatever their debt was. I would have thought. Yes, more than likely. You know, we'll pay off your creditors, and um... yeah, it says further down in the in the article, it's not clear just how much of Drive AI will survive at Apple, or whether the startup's mass layoffs will proceed as scheduled. I yes, it mm. says Apple has purchased the company's assets, including the auto autonomous cars. Um, but Axios and the San Francisco Chronicle have suggested that Apple chose to hire engineers away directly. Other workers may not come along, might be coming along for the ride. 
yeah, that I that I can imagine. I would I would think that Apple probably acquired them, you know, on the cheap. I'll be honest, um, which is good business policy, really. You know, they're going to go under. Well, why don't we just snap them up? And uh... I was going to say, instead of just hiring the employees that from a company that closed, if they buy the company, they get all the tech and the everything that's in the company already. Instead of having the workers quote unquote start from scratch. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And um, whether they, you know, retain all of the sort of ancillary staff, um, we're not. I would have thought they'd be looking at it mainly as a way to acquire the engineers and the, you know, and possibly IP, whatever IP um, drive AI have. Um, Maybe so. We'll just have to wait and see, won't we? Well, we will, or we'll probably hear no more about. I'll never it. know. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's more likely. I mean, I. I guess to some extent it you know whether or not you consider it a, a good or bad thing from a business point of view it's probably a very cheap way to acquire a lot of talent and IP and um also you know if those people were about to be put out of work uh, I should think they'll a lot of them will be quite grateful and grateful employees make you know happy yeah. employees <laughs> yes yes what does it what does it tell us at this moment not a lot other than apple are obviously still interested in um you know, self-driving to some extent. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, that <laughs> it's got so confusing, hasn't it, over the last few couple of years, two or three years, where Apple have seemed to have been by, um, hiring all sorts of um, AI experts and, and to do with driving, but we've not seen anything so far that appears that they've actually done anything. Well, certainly nothing they can release to the public anyway. No, I mean, they, they built those shuttle buses, didn't they, to run around their own campus i think or to yeah yeah i mean we've said it before and lots of people you know there's a big difference between getting something like a shuttle bus to follow a pretty much a, a designated route from a to b and back again and actually getting a what you and i would consider to be a self-driving car i was watching um i was watching a youtube video of someone with a an audi e-tron okay, okay. um uh, and testing out its um it didn't doesn't call itself autopilot. It's just like assisted driving. Yes, assisted driving. Uh, yes, uh, and I must admit it was it was interesting to watch because he was taking it down a roads in the UK and um, it was coping probably seventy percent of the time, and then it would suddenly switch itself off, and when it got a little bit confused or the road got a bit wide or. So there's there's definitely a way to go yet. Um, I'm just not convinced that it's as far away as some people believe. No, a lot of people keep saying decades. It will be decades. I yeah, I I don't think so. I think I think when you think of the progress that we've made in a in five years, yeah, it's been quite quite rapid, really. And um, I think it's yeah, I think it's only a a, a fairly short time. Maybe another five, maybe less. Who I, knows? There's a, there's a <laughs> I think the question is, what will be real first, a, a real self-driving car or a real foldable phone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. Which would you rather have? I know which I'd rather have, and it comes with four wheels and doesn't, hopefully doesn't fold. <laughs> I want my car to talk to me and drive by itself and have the turbo boost like uh, Night Rider. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, that would be cool. No, I, you know, I would uh, definitely be one for, you know, just get in the car, take me to work. Thank you very much. And then drive back home afterwards. You know? Well, the other question is, is when will the people like you and me be able to afford that car? Indeed. Indeed. 
But then again, of course, there's lots of people are speculating that those that you know that if such technology you know becomes um, widely available, that it might herald the end of you know a large scale vehicle ownership because if you can effectively just summon a vehicle, because it is true, isn't it? Most most people's vehicles are only in use a fraction of the time. What they do the rest of the time, they sit around in right. parking lots or on your drive or whatever. If you could have a car come to you, pick you up, take you to work, and then drive off and do lots of other things all during the day, you would yeah. need much much less cars. The only biggest problem for that is you're going to need all these cars at peak periods when everybody wants a car. I, I, I think that will take much longer. So uh, self-driving cars, I think, will be fairly quick in, in, in uh, year terms. I don't think it's going to be that far away, but... I think getting people to accept non-car ownership is going to take a little bit longer. Uh, I think changing changing technology is easy. Changing people's hearts and minds is much harder. Yes, is much harder. Although, um, so we'll see. We will see. But that that said, yeah. Nick, I've also seen quite a lot of um, kind of opinion poll type uh, and and uh, market survey type material, which is saying because the cost of driving is becoming you know, so high that yes. more and more young people are basically no longer aspiring. Well, that's possible. I mean, if, if you give people that opportunity, if you give that people the opportunity of saying, well, I'll tell you what, you can either have a car you can summon and it will take you to places uh, and it might cost you, I don't know, a thousand pounds a year, or you can buy your own car and it's going to cost you at least two and a half thousand a year. Yeah. You can see how some younger people would say, well, hold on a minute, that's a lot of money. <laughs> and of course, particularly in, um, you know, metropolitan areas, a, a lot of young people just say the cost of driving is prohibitively, you know, is completely prohibitive. And of course, yes. if, you live, yeah. if you live in, I don't know, you know, London or Manchester or, you know, uh, American cities that have, you know, trams and subways and buses then you can probably get anywhere and everywhere you like without ever having to use a car um if you're like me and probably you nick where i live if i didn't have a car life would be miserable yeah i'd manage without a car locally but i wouldn't be able to get to work (laughs) well i would but it would take me hours and hours yeah and probably cost you far more than traveling by car you know um yeah i don't know if you have these over in your neck of the woods but um, we have these scooters that are being more and more pop- motorized scooters that you kind of hop on, activate them through an app. I've never used one, but um, you activate it through an app and then it charges you through the app how long you use it. You get to your location, drop the scooter, go do what you need to do and find another scooter when you're ready and go back to where you need to go. Uh, start it all over idea. again. Yeah, it's a nice idea. Unfortunately, in the UK, it tends to rain an awful lot of the time. There's, a, there's also <laughs> the fact that actually in, in this country, uh, those kind of scooters are actually illegal. Oh, the yeah, for the ones that are quite fast, yes. Well, uh, I think it's 16 miles an hour they're limited to or something like that. I don't know, but like basically motorised scooters, full stop, uh, are illegal for road use. These look like um, kick scooters, like you stand on them and... Yeah, like, yeah, that's like they are technically illegal in the UK. Oh. Yeah, I think even I say I think it's bicycles that are limited to sixteen yeah. miles an hour. I mean, you can go faster than sixteen miles an hour, but um, but you you the the motor can't make you go faster than sixteen miles an hour. You have to do that yourself. The next story: uh, Apple has hired um, an ARM lead CPU architect. Uh, amid rumours of ARM-based Macs as early as 2020. This is on Mac rumours. Um, 
the the fact that I just thought this was a bit of a stretch. I'll be honest. Um, Apple have hired a lead, you know, the lead CPU architect uh, from uh, from ARM. Um, he worked on you know a lot of top chips. Uh, was it the A seventy six Cortex? I think was mentioned. Um, that is in and of itself not particularly surprising to be honest. Um, because didn't um didn't Apple just lose one of their top chip guys? Didn't he just retire? Maybe sounds um, right. Two or three weeks ago, I think one of their top guys left retired whatever um but to say that because they've hired him um you know kind of implies that uh arm max are on the horizon i i don't get that at all i mean they've they've just lost one of their top designers um surely they would just want to make sure that their um their team is still up to strength and and apple use arm stuff all over the shop so just because they've hired a, a leading system chip architect I, I just don't see that that points to arm max at all other than if you I, want to <laughs> i think it's very easy to i think it's very easy to read far too much into the people that apple hires oh yes. um yeah this this doesn't sound much like a, much of a story to me really no we we know that apple are interested in in making as much in-house as they possibly can and designing as much in-house as they can um it's just part of that yeah i you know, he's an ARM chip uh, architect, and um, Apple have given him a probably driven a large truck full of money and dumped it on the front of his lawn and said, "Come and work <laughs> for us." You know, uh, we'd like you to work on, you know, a chips for our, um, you know, for our iPhones and whatnot. I don't, I don't. I think there is still lots of speculation around ARM based Macs and whether they'll really become yeah, a I thing. Mean, I mean, I waver on that. I sometimes I think yes, sometimes I think no. I can't, I can't really make my mind up about that. But I, I just think there's a there's a big there's a big leap between we've hired this guy and we've hired this guy to, um, you know, make ARM Macs. I, I don't get that at all. I think that's um, that's yeah, a leap a leap of uh, faith that's really. A leap of faith, <laughs> isn't it? I think that just that if if you believe that an ARM Mac is on the cards, then yeah, you could read that into it. And if you don't, then you can read nothing into it. To be honest, um, hmm. there we are. Um, and of course, uh, I guess we can't avoid it. This is the Johnny Ive Exit Strategy Edition. Uh, Jonathan Ive has announced that he is going to leave Apple and start his own design consultancy, uh, which is going to be called, uh, was it With Love or Love From? Sorry. Love From. Yeah. Love From. Um, with his with his chum, um, Mark Newson. Um, I wasn't really that surprised. Uh, I don't know about, I don't know about you two. What did you think? And I wasn't surprised. And hey, he's been kind of getting more and more hands off, I think. They announced years ago he was going to be more hands-off and kind of start, I guess, what's the word, um, working his way out almost. Yeah, um, well, the, 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 this this was the thing. Uh, Stratechery uh, wrote a piece, um, and actually he, he sort of resurfaced a piece he wrote when um, Ive was promoted to chief de design officer, and uh, where he said, I believe this is the beginning of the end of the Johnny Ive era. Um, so he's written a piece this time, which with a slightly gloating tone, I have to admit, um, saying, you know, I told you so, in effect. Um, <laughs> but, 
yes, you know, he was promoted to chief design officer with the idea that originally, apparently, that would take management stuff off his hands and allow him to concentrate on, um, you know, free thinking. Um, but stories have been abounding, really, haven't they? That you know, he's been he concentrated on the uh, the campus building. Um, that the last thing he was really deeply involved with uh, was the watch. Um, that he only goes to the Apple campus a couple of times a week and and meets with people, you know, in San Francisco at their homes or at hotels. Um, I mean, I I've noticed, you know, he's been absent from the last few keynote you know they used to pan the camera around and show him sitting in the audience smiling sort of in a paternal way when reveals were made and then of course he'd do his loving um not just aluminium but apple aluminium um yes well exactly um but very much in that Marks and Spencer's mould, wasn't it? You know, this is not yeah, yeah. just aluminium. Yeah. This is Apple aluminium. Um, we've had none of those. No white room videos. No shots of him, you know, smiling in the audience. No, I think there's been videos released with him after the keynote. They just don't show him in the keynote. Yeah, but you know what I mean? That's just gradually removing him from the... Right, kind of getting people used to him. Not being not there. Um, so... It's. I think it's been quite obvious for some time that he's been stepping back. I. You see, it's quite possible, because I know someone who's left the company I work for, um, who felt exactly this way, that what what they've been asking him to do is not really the core of what he likes to do, and they've pushed him into a related job, but not the job that he really wants to be doing, and therefore. There comes a point where he thinks, well, hold on a minute. <laughs> I, I don't need to work here. I can yeah, work somewhere. I can set up my own business. Well, I could do anything I like. Um, yeah. Several people have put forward um, the theory that for the last few years, he's been concentrating very much on the the campus where he's been able to work on designing anything he likes from doors to sinks, you know, anything and everything, light switches, whatever takes his fancy. Um, and that actually, you know, maybe he's had enough of just doing computers. Um, maybe. You know, maybe. I mean, he's refined and refined and refined the iMac and the and the, the laptops. Maybe that just doesn't, you know, just doesn't excite him anymore. And I, I must admit, after, you know, say 15 years of refining the same thing, maybe he just oh, really, no. <laughs> yes. I mean, you can see that, can't you? I can mean, I, can I yes. design a kettle? Here's a slab of aluminium, yeah, and we want you to make it this big and buy that big. There you go. You've got all that flexibility with that, with this mm. tiny bit of aluminium. <laughs> Away you I mean, go. But maybe he's just, you know, well, I, you know, I want to be a tree. Uh, you know, maybe <laughs> can I design a teapot or a kettle or a, you know... Anything. And maybe the point of setting up this company is that they'll they'll have more flexibility in. Well, I think they won't, him and just, they won't just work for Apple. They're, no, they will do other they, people as well. They're going to be um, they're going to be a design consultancy, aren't they? Um, and don't forget, before uh, uh, you know, before he joined Apple, those those were the places he worked. Yeah. Um, I mean, I read the uh, the Leander Caney book. You know, Jonathan Ive, the genius behind Apple's greatest product, um, which is a sort of biography. Um, 
And, you know, that is his background. After college, he worked in design consultancies where they would either pitch for um, projects or be asked to, you know, design a, a set of concepts for a new product. Um, and that's a why does anyone having Why does anyone working for Apple have to be a genius? It, it, it gets a little bit tiring after a while. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't believe any of them are geniuses. I, I believe they're all clever people in their own right, And but genius? Mm. Uh, well, I get a little bit tired yeah, of people saying the word genius for genius. yes everyone. I mean, even when they you know when they say it about Steve as well. I mean, I just get a little bit bored of them saying, "Oh, he was a genius." Well, yeah, he was a clever guy, clever, but yeah. a genius. So a genius is someone who who does something that changes the world. And in all honesty, if the even though the iPhone probably did. He didn't do it on his own. No, no, exactly. And, um... This is, I mean, and this is something <laughs> that even he is, is seems to be trying to, you know, having been stepping back, um, having been stepping back, it, he's making a big thing out of the two guys who were taking over from him, that one right. one of them was like his chief collaborator on the watch, and um, and also, you know, they've lost they've lost several people from the design studio over the last few years. Um, and I suspect that is simply the fact that you no, know, that team has been together a long time, yeah, know, twenty odd years. Um, and and although it's probably you know not that old, but they're probably I mean uh, Johnny's fifty two, I think. Um, the guys around him are probably you know in those sort of situations, those kind of teams, they probably all <laughs> much of a you know similar age, yeah. and um. Like you say, after twenty odd years on it, maybe they're all like, "Oh, can I face another day staring at iterative designs on how we can shave another half a millimeter off the, <laughs> you know, yeah." I, yeah. Um, and they're they're getting in new talented people, and in some ways, I, I don't saw, think I it's a bad was a thing. It's not a bad thing either. No, I don't think yeah. it's a bad thing. There was a BBC program on. Um... That I caught uh, over the last few days, and they had the guy on who designed the um, iPace, um, and uh, apparently he's—I'm not sure whether I think he's stepping down from Jaguar, and uh, he's decided that what he'd really like to do is design handbags. Yeah, uh, because he wants a change from cars. <laughs> he's been doing it for a long time. I, I think that's—I think that's a, a lot of it. You know, if you are a, a, a no, and because we know Johnny Ive and Mark Newton, they like cars. They've done, they've designed cars. They they did that Laker camera special edition. They, yeah. you know, he did that weird Christmas tree for somewhere or other. They, yeah, if you're creative, you probably don't want to be staring at doing the same thing all the while. I yeah. mean, once you've done the Apple Watch, and maybe, oh well, having done it the first time, right? Well, how can we make it better? You probably don't want to do a tenth watch or a fourteenth watch. You know? <laughs> just, um, I don't think it'd be a bad thing. I'm I'm with Donny here. I yeah. I've really enjoyed a lot of uh, Jonathan Ives' work. Not all perfect, like you say. You know, genius. Well, um, sorry, but the uh, you know the Apple TV remote is not a genius piece of work. Sorry, it's not bloody horrible. <laughs> um, and- this year we're producing the iPhone. And it's our best iPhone yet. <laughs> it has a generic look that is like all the other iPhones that we've designed. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just think, to some extent, that they've iterated and iterated and iterated. And 
sometimes they're iterated the, out well yeah and sometimes to the point that you're not making it better you know we all know my you know one of my favorite gripes is the why the bloody hell does the desktop need to be three millimeters thick on the edge <laughs> so you can't put the ports yeah. on the edge anymore and now i have to dislocate my shoulder to plug a usb in round the back um yeah that really grates on me you know what's wrong with having it thick enough to have the usb ports down the side um where a normal person can actually get at them um <laughs> good oh, point sorry johnny you don't like the you know you don't like the cables coming out the side of the mac spoiling your aesthetics um I don't think it would hurt, perhaps, to have some people come in and, you know, not tear it apart. I'm not saying we need to go back to chunky boxes, but it, perhaps somebody with a little more um, pragmatic approach. Mm, um, maybe so. You know, bit Although, like we, as, as it says in the articles, they'll still be doing work for Apple. So. Oh, yeah. But I think that there's a big difference between somebody being a consultant and somebody being your chief design officer. Yes, true. You know, they can go to him and they can put forward a, something and they can go, Johnny, that's bloody terrible. No. <laughs> no. Just Probably no. Johnny, what do you think no. Of <laughs> Sorry, Johnny. Or they get his opinion and then he sends them a bill for thousands of dollars by saying I like it or I don't like it. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I I do think that perhaps both Johnny Ive and the whole kind of Apple design thing at the minute has become a bit stale. Um, I, and yeah, I'm not saying we have to have total radical redesign and <clears throat> do everything over because th there is a good reason that the iMac is the way the iMac is. Um, and that's because I, I would say, you know, it's 95% or 97% or whatever. Great. Um, I just think that possibly for me, the pinnacle of the iMac was just before they decided they had to make the edges of it as thin as a, as thin as a laptop. When you, you know, when you could still have a door in the yeah. back to change your SSD or whatever. Um, well, I've always thought, yeah, I've always thought that this idea that, the design is so slim that you can't accommodate a an, a removable hard drive or a is was was nonsense really. Yeah, to some extent they on could a have laptop, done had they wanted to. But to some extent on a laptop, I I can see it right. Especially there are always people who you know who were saying their laptop has to be shaved down to nothing because apparently they can tell the difference between a you know a, a one pound yeah, but, laptop and a 1.1 pound laptop well, when they're carried. maybe so but i mean what's what's wrong with having a slot on the side where your hard drive goes in? exactly exactly uh you can it can still be almost as thin as a hard drive yes um, uh, yeah no I've, I've often thought that there, i'm sure there are ways that they could have done it had they wanted to yes uh, i i and i'm saying perhaps with a new you know a new design team perhaps a little bit more pragmatism might come back because i think we're all aware that johnny has a distinct obsession with paring everything down to nothing yeah um to the point Maybe so you know to the point the other thing i think was telling is you know him and steve were thick as thieves you know, he said as oh, much. Oh, yes, yeah. You know, he said as much after after Steve died, didn't he? You know, that, and he would say, you know, Steve had some, you know, would have these stupid ideas, and some of them <laughs> were really, really stupid, incredibly stupid. And then he'd say something that would take the air clean out of the room. And it's obvious that those, those two were, you know, they were incredibly great friends. They worked together incredibly closely. Um, 
And as John Gruber had said, you know, to be honest, Steve Jobs and Johnny Ive are, were a bit like, you know, Lennon and McCartney, that the sum of the, you know, the two was greater than the sum of the parts. They worked incredibly well together. Um, mm. And I, I think maybe, you know, without Steve, that's got to be hard, hasn't it? Yes. Oh, yes, without a doubt. So um, in some ways, the end of an era, but perhaps the start of another one. Yeah, you know. Um, I I don't think um, I, I there no doubt there will be people in the media or the, whatever you know the tech blogs going you know in the same way oh Steve is gone daply doomed weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth but I, well, I, don't... I read that um, I read that uh, the stock market that because you know how jittery the stock market is about anything mm. uh, apparently nine billion was wiped off Apple shares when he, that, when it was announced but it was actually less than one percent. <laughs> yes, it's, it sounds a lot, though. <laughs> well, it is a lot, isn't it? But I, I guess when they said actually it fell less than one percent, I guess that's indicating that perhaps it wasn't. I mean, it's a lot of a, a lot of it. The same as people are saying this thing about you know announcing that he will be starting his own design agency with Mark Newson and Apple will be their first and primary client. It's almost a, yeah. almost a kind of uh, nothing much will change, you know. Yes, it does sound a bit like that. Stay calm. Stay calm, investors. Um, it, he's not so much leaving as going slightly sideways. Uh, yeah. Um, yes, he's stuck on the roof. Oh, no, that's a different joke. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Um, Donnie, what, did you, have you got any thoughts on it? Um. Just what we said, you know, I think it's not a bad thing. Um, change can be good sometimes. And a lot, like you said, a lot of the designs have gotten old. And I don't know if repetitive is the right word, but I guess repetitive. And someone new could bring, you know, who knows how many years in um, jobs design, not jobs. Ives designs are like kind of um, already on the, on the, uh, yeah, in the works. In the works, as it and were. Then, yeah. um, who knows when we'll actually see the next person's um design that they'd done on their own without Ives really being the main person. Um, but who knows, we might know, it might be a drastic difference, but that could still be one or two years off. Yeah, it, it, it could. Um, but then again, he has been stepping back. Um, but I think he still had like final say on Wickers, maybe. I, I think he probably had kind of oversight, but then the two guys that have taken over from him... Um, they appear to have had, you know, a lot of the taken over to a large extent what, you know, what Johnny was doing. I wonder if it's like um, now they don't have him over their shoulder, so they might have feel like they have more freedom to do something. I, I think so. The, the other thing that was was um, the other thing that a, a lot of, a, you know, a lot of noise was made about was the fact that those two are not going to report directly to Tim Cook but they are going to report to Jeff uh, Williams, is it? The uh, chief operations officer. Um, you know, there was, a, there was a few people beating their, beating their chests, um, you know, in, in the tech sphere saying, oh, no, oh, no, this is, you know, this is um, a sign that Apple are becoming, you know, just a big corporation run by operations. But um, from what I've read about Jeff Williams, he is in fact more of a product guy than he is an operations guy. Um, so that might that could be the same thing. Apple is changing now that Ives isn't there. They've been doing it one way, just maybe just because he's been there. Yeah. Now that he's gone, they can make changes. 
I think so to some extent. I, I like a lot of things that happen in Apple, uh, particularly when they have a you know a high level shuffle. That um, what's happening is simply Apple announcing the way things have probably been for a while. Right. You know, I don't think Apple go. Um, you know, or oh, right, Eddie. Uh, I, you know, Eddie. I know you're in charge of this at the minute, but uh, we thought we'd have a change. You know, uh, can we? Can you go over there and be in charge of that department? You know, they don't do that sort of reshuffling there. That's not how it works. I think. I think particularly the management team slide. You know, if they start to take over control of an area or whatever, that you know, and these things happen naturally. Something will drift into their sphere of control or out of their sphere of control. Um, and you know when that's been that way for eighteen months or two years or something, then the board say, "Well, shall we make this official that you know Johnny is now chief design officer, and you know these two are, are vice presidents of design?" Of course, it's very risky for a company to make major changes to a something that sells incredibly well. Yes, um, and and you know we may not see major changes in these devices simply because Apple are a little bit frightened to make any major changes because some, you know, their customers might not like it. Yeah. Um, um, there is always that, but I, it's, it, well, everything's a gamble, isn't it? Um, but I, oh, oh, without, without a doubt, but you've got to admit that when we've looked at iPhones during the last 10 years, um, their design has changed a small amount over that time. Um, I mean, I love, I love my uh, iPhone 7. It's a really nice piece of kit, um, but it looks very much like the iPhone 6. And it very much looks like the iPhone 8. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 because say, when, when you've got a device that is so um, iconic, it's really difficult to change it without affecting your sales. Yeah. I mean, the iPhone 6, you know, which obviously the, the, we had the iPhone 4, which was the one which always reminded me slightly of a camera body. With the you know out, with the strip round the outside and two yes. two glass yeah. panels, and then we had the the five, which was the you know the one with lovingly chamfered edges, um, <laughs> <laughs> which I remember even even Craig Frederigi making a joke about going camping and saying, "Look at the chamfers on these forks, um, <laughs> <laughs> on the camping forks." Um, yes, but the six. And the seven and the eight, obviously, which followed the same design, was very much a return to the to the original iPhone one concept. Yeah, was glass on the front, rounded edges. You know, uh, and let, let's face it, there's only so much you can do with a block of yeah aluminium. Yeah, and... you can you can have you can have chamfered edges, rounded edges, <laughs> straight edges. Um, I have to admit, yes, but overall, yeah, there's only so much you can do with something which is effectively a a glass slab and some electronics behind it. Um, mm. uh, and the the phone, I, I think the phone less so, but the the Macs themselves. I'm not saying people are crying out for change, but I think there are areas where somebody could, you know, inject some new some new thought, maybe. Maybe so, as long as Apple don't take it as an opportunity to build something that's ridiculously powerful that no one can afford. Oh, no, wait a minute. They've already done that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, mate, I I don't think it would happen, but I wouldn't. We've said it before, Nick. I would not uh, mind seeing um, not necessarily a cut-down machine, but certainly a, an entry-level machine. 
you know, like the white plastic MacBooks, which we've, you know, we've mourned yes. before on this show. Um, I mean, it's it's clear that even though, um, even though, as they claimed every year, they've sold more and more Macs, and uh, they, that they've still got a big market out there if they want to tap it. Yeah. Um, and and if they could, if they could produce something that is sort of just a little bit less expensive for for those who want to. I mean, it used to be the uh, the Mac Mini, didn't it? Yes. Um, but e- even that, the base of that now starts at about was it seven hundred ish? Yeah. It's... Um, which which is you know it's, it's a lot of money. Uh, if they could produce something at five hundred, perhaps or less. Yeah, I mean, um, it... to encourage people to to make that move like they used to. Mm. Um, but but there you go. It's obviously not in their wheelhouse at the moment. Well, yes. Who who knows? Who knows? Um, and they still sell plenty of stuff. Don't get me wrong. And they still make lots and lots and lots of money. But they make uh, all the money. All the money. <laughs> Indeed. All the money in the world. Um. I. Yeah. I just think there is there is still room in the world for um a laptop that isn't you know a wafer thin mint. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. I just. I don't know where you would position it or how you would do it, but I just think no matter how aesthetically pleasing it is to only have one port, you know, perhaps that isn't necessarily the best way forward. Um, I think us geeks have a very different view of what's necessary and what isn't, in all honesty. I mean, the the Mac Pro was a perfect example of um, where you're driven by... um, uh, imperatives that are for people who are not your average person um and uh and, and, and i think sometimes we get a little bit lost think um in in the desire to have something that is i mean even when they came out with the mac pro i mean what people really wanted was something modular that 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 was the big thing we want mm. something modular they didn't necessarily want something that would blow the he- top of the roof off the house because it's so powerful <laughs> what they really wanted was something that was modular that that when we wanted a new hard drive, we could stick it in. If we wanted some more RAM, we can stick it in. Yeah. And I'm not sure Apple are ever going to be that company. No. In all honesty. Uh, uh, not for the average guy in the street anyway. Um, no. Um, and much as I love my iMac, <laughs> I really do, um, it, it would be nice. I, I, I'd be quite happy for the iMac to get a bit thicker again. and Yes. Stick exactly. some more ports on, on the sides and all those sort of things um, like you. But then I'm a geek, so perhaps I'm not the average person there. And they certainly don't aim their stuff on the whole at geeks, do they? They aim it at the general no, public. No, it's aimed very much at the general public. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know who who will, you know, who will take the lead? Where where will it go? What will it result in? Who Only the future will tell us. Um, you know, Indeed. How, how close will, the you know, the partnership between... Jonathan Ive and Mark Newson's new Love From. I mean, it could be in effect that you know Love From becomes a bit like Frog Design, um, who were you know uh, back in the day who designed the you know all the two CX and two CI and and all those with their Snow White uh, design language. You know they were effectively they were an external um, design consultancy agency call it what you will right but at that period they were doing all of apple's design work um so maybe you know it, you it could go that way in that what you've got is uh jonathan and mark 
you know, coming up with designs for Apple and merely having their own agency because that means they can also take on other work. Or it could be, you know, a way of gradually, um, you know, gradually phasing out Jonathan's input and letting someone else take over. Only the, only, only time will tell us the answers to that. You know, yeah, I, mean, I just had a thought. Maybe yeah, the iPhone XR is a sign of something that was more hands-off of Johnny Ives. To simply think about how many years we've only had rose gold, pink, and and uh, space gray products until basically until the iPhone XR, unless you count the iPod Touch. And um, maybe us adding color was more of their thing than his thing. And the iPhone XR, I think, is isn't that the the best-selling iPhone, like the most popular iPhone right now? It is the most popular iPhone by a a large margin, I believe. Um, And then the next next best-seller is, in fact, the XS, which is, of course... So the the two biggest sellers, apparently, are the the cheapest of the, you know, current generation, which is the XR. Which is not very surprising when you think about it. I mean, if you look at the car market, the best-selling cars are the cheapest cars. Yeah. (laughs) Because more people can afford them. It's the color that that's also making it sell more. I think people may be, may be sick of just the plain colors. I mean, when the, I, the original right. iMac came on the market, it was you could get five colors of the rainbow, and it, and that was what was different. That was what was new. That's what got people's attention, and it took off. And now the look at the XR. Yeah, that is true. That is very true. Um, I ended up uh getting a you know gray black one in the end, but um. That was partly because the other colour I was interested in, I can't remember now, red or blue, um, was like, well, you can have that one in three weeks or you can have a, you can have a grey one tomorrow. It's like, we'll have a grey one tomorrow then. <laughs> I mean, it's a, subtle, it's a subtle change. It's not making a folding phone, but, but no. it's still a change from what's been going on for the past 10 years or so. Definitely. Mm, maybe definitely. so. Um, definitely. It, it, I think it would be nice to see some, you know, the return of colour. I mean, the, 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 you know, the iPod... Mini came in a range of colours, didn't it? Anodized colours. The um, so did the small shuffle at one point. Um, right. Hey, in all honesty, I nearly always put my phone in a case anyway, so <laughs> I don't really care what colour it no, is. No, no, true. I think it's the thought of having a colour though, where you can buy a case that has the clear back and you can still see the colour. Yeah, 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 true. Yeah, um, I, I, I am quite a big, um, you know, over the years, I have been a, uh quite keen on either the sort of thin ice cases or um, the sort of clear TPU type um, skins mm-hmm. so that I protect my phone, but don't completely, you know, hide it. So I bet you if the watch came in colors, it would be a huge hit. That I, that I really do believe. I think I'm with you there. Um, you know, rather than, oh, you can buy a ceramic one for thousands. You no. Know? I mean, what is it at the minute you can have? Silver, gold, black, rose gold, and rose gold. Whatever they're calling it now. Yeah, rose gold still. So you've got basically, you know, charcoal, black, grey, silver, gold, or pink. Let's let's be honest. Um, yeah, I'm sure if that came a range of colours, you know, blue, green, red, orange, I'm sure that would be a huge hit. Match it to your XR phone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There we are. Um, right. Shall we move on? Um. Can we move to oh, the Google's curriculum? Yes. Because I've been, while we've been recording, I've been looking at it and actually playing it. Okay. And this thing is not only what I think is fantastic for kids, I, my parents and 
and aunts and uncles could use this. Um, it's totally free. You don't have to give a login, an email address. You just click play and you can travel from island to island. And um, some of it doesn't seem like um, what I would call as important as the others, but the part on um, detecting scams and phony emails and stuff like that, that I played through that. I just played through that whole thing in five minutes. And it was, I think any kid or anyone you know should be should do that. It's just easy and it's easy to understand. And it, I think they've got a really good thing here. Yeah. Um, and just to clarify, this is Google have launched a new oh, curriculum, uh, which is teaching kids how to detect disinformation. Um, uh, you know, how to look for dodgy URLs and, uh, you know, clickbait headlines and all the rest. It's called the Be Internet Awesome Curriculum. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Well, and it's more than that. There's also um, who you should share your, there's an island about who you should share your, your photos with and who you should share your email addresses with and what you should do if oh, you're being online. And, and um, I think it was called Interland. I got off of it, but um, there's like four or five different islands you go to and you have to complete the island with little mini games and there's a quiz at the end. And I mean, it doesn't even have Google branding on it. It just, it's, it's very non-Google. Okay. If, it sounds very much like some of the um, uh, training I've done at work. You know, the the packages that I've looked through that just, just teaching people about, you know, checking URLs and, you know, if it sounds too, too good to be true, it probably is and all that kind of, kind of stuff um, that um, I've been through at work uh, with our cybersecurity stuff. Um, and it's good that it's readily available for everybody, including youngsters. That's uh, that's yep. good. It says here, um, developed in partnership with the Net Safety Collaborative, the new program includes play-to-learn activities which help ad educate kids about spotting disinformation such as fake URLs or misleading headlines. It also includes don't fall for fake activities centered around teaching critical thinking skills. Um, so that you will know the difference between credible and non-credible news sources, for example. How to spot bad URLs. Uh, there are activities such as share with care. Um, and it's cool to be kind about online harassment. Uh, and a nationwide partnership with the YMCA where it will help families talk to their children about topics like social media, cyberbullying and disinformation. Right, there we go. Well, as a, a, a... Do you think it's... Um... Do you think it's an indication of um, a change in people's attitudes? Um, I think it's fair to say that people like um, myself and, and, and you probably, Simon, uh, are, are sort of naturally suspicious of stuff that online um, and that youngsters, because they've grown up with it, whereas you and I have sort of grown into it rather than up with it, um, we we have that natural sort of suspicion of things when it when something pops up and you think, oh, hold on a minute, that just sort of doesn't feel right. Yeah, uh, youngsters, haven't, youngsters haven't got that sort of natural um, I, suspicion I, of of stuff that happens online. I, I think there's I, also I told, no. Go on, Donny. I was gonna say I have told kids, including my own, hundreds of times, just because it's on the internet doesn't mean it's real. Yeah, and yeah. just because there's a YouTube video doesn't mean it's real. And I can go on YouTube and or the internet and make a video or make something and say, this is the official trailer for the next Spider-Man movie and post it. And just because it says official doesn't mean it's real. Exactly. Yeah. Anyone can do it. And that's a really hard concept, I think, for kids to understand. I, part, and some adults. 
yeah i think oh, yes true yeah. true very true i i think part of it you're right there nick part, part partly there's the fact that we haven't grown up with it we've you know um you know we've grown along with it as it were because we you know we're of an age that we were able to get onto the internet pretty much in the early days but the other the other thing is i suppose if you remember the internet in the fairly early days when you know it didn't look anywhere near as slick and produced and clever uh, and and therefore with all that slickness comes you can produce a feeling of officialness of do you know what i mean um Yes, it's take. Yeah, yes, I, I think you're right. I think you know, uh, in the days because, when because we've, where we've seen you know stuff sort of grow, <laughs> and actually get more, uh, as you say, more professionally produced as it's gone through. You know, back in the days when nearly all sites were effectively just a few frames with some text and maybe one or two pictures. Oh um, yes, I remember those days. You know, um, but. The other, you know, the other, there's an old joke, of course, which is, you know, on the internet, no one can tell you're a dog, um, <laughs> yes. which was the cartoon of a dog typing, you know, typing away into some message board and saying to his, you know, saying to his mate next to him on the internet, no one knows you're a dog. Um, but there was this kind of subtle message behind that, which is don't believe everything you read. Um, yeah. And the slicker things get, the more they look like TV if you like, um, the easier it is for people who, who didn't grow up with that to look at it as if it looks official, then it's official. Um, and you're right, Donnie, you know, that's something you have to, you know, I have to bang on about all the time. Um, and yeah, not only to kids, just because it's on the internet doesn't mean it's true. Um, yes. I still occasionally get people come to me and say, um, I was using my computer last week and a message popped up saying my antivirus was out of date. So I clicked on the, and I think, oh, oh no. God, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here we go again. Here we go again, you know. Um, so that's very good. Uh, yeah, props. Apparently, this Be Internet Awesome curriculum for educators launched a couple of years ago. Um, oh, right. So it's obviously not had maybe as much um, publicity as it should. Um, no. Yeah, I've never heard of it before. No, as you know, I'm a teacher, so yeah. So maybe it's not uh, spreading the education message far and wide as it should. Um, but props, props. Then uh, you know, I'm quite, you know, I'm quite quick to kick Google in the ghoulies <laughs> when they do bad <laughs> things. Um, no, this is a good thing. So you know, uh, if well, you're going to, you know, if you're going to chuck bricks, you should also give out um, plaudits when required. Uh, so I think that's a that's a big up. Um, Raspberry Pi uh, Model 4B or 4 Model B or whatever it was, uh, was launched this week. Um, newer, faster, bigger, more powerful. <laughs> um, from $35. Yeah, starting from $35. Uh, micro, micro HDMI, USB-C power supply. Can power two 4K monitors, apparently. That's pretty cool, considering it's such a small thing. Yep. Um I've often wondered whether I ought to get one of these just to have a play. Never I, have, but I, I've yeah, I toyed with the idea. Um, I've never got round to it. Um, partly because I have enough other things <laughs> to tinker with. To be honest, <laughs> yes, me too. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure I'd get far beyond just putting um some version of you know Linux on it or Raspberry and um 
and and using it as a miniature desktop, which kind of defeats the object really. Um, but there we go, a new a new more powerful uh, now available in one, two, or four gigabytes of RAM, I believe. Yeah, cool. And uh, they're doing a starter kit, I think, that comes with a case and some other bits and bobs. Um, I think I might have to have a play in a. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days. Yep, there we are. Um, well, let's face it, you know, starting at about £35 is not, Neither exactly, here nor there. not exactly serious cash, is it? Um, Microsoft has issued a warning for 800 million user, uh, Windows 10 users. Um, this was in Forbes. Um, this is this is a bit, well, I don't really know how to describe this. Disgraceful, almost. Um, Windows 10, uh, traditionally, or all versions of Windows, obviously run using the registry, which is something I don't really grasp precisely, but it is in some ways, I believe, similar to sort of the libraries in, uh, you know, uh, Linux and the Mac OS. Um, and I know that it's, you know, I know enough about Windows to know that uh, if something happens to your registry, that's very, very bad. And um, apparently, traditionally, uh, the, the registry is backed up so that there is a backup copy in case something goes horribly wrong. Um, apparently, uh, what was at first reported as a bug, which is that the registry was not being backed up, despite a message coming up saying your registry was successfully backed up, um, has turned out to be a design uh, decision. And that is that the registry is not being backed up. The message your uh, registry has been backed up was simply left there, and it is indeed creating a file of naught kilobytes. In other words, it is not backing up the registry. Um, and when pressed, Microsoft have said that they did this in order to save on disk space because the registry backup can be sort of 50 to 150 megabytes. Um, poor show, I think, is the only... <laughs> The only way to describe that, uh, partly because they didn't tell anybody that they were doing it. Not yeah, so much. It seems they, a bit of know. a weird decision, doesn't it? It does. Um, I mean, I said in the Slack room, you know, realistically, there are people like me who use Windows who have no idea how the registry works or what, you know, what I would possibly do with a registry backup file should um, something go wrong. Um, and if I wasn't able to restore my, you know, windows by the usual kind of rollback or please fix it for me kind of methods, um, although my, my windows is actually in a virtual machine, so I could just go back to a previous snapshot, but that, that's by the by. Um, the main thing here seems to be a bit like when Apple have put their foot in it occasionally. It's that they they've made a decision and told nobody. That's the thing. They haven't told anybody. Um, well, yes, again, I suppose the vast majority of Windows users won't even know what the registry is. No, but I there are people, obviously sysadmins and people who probably rely on that. That is a very important thing for them. Yes. Um, and I said in the Slack room, I think that, you know, that should have been announced and it should have been a switch. And the switch should be, I have no bloody idea what the registry is or how to do anything with a registry backup file anyway. Please save me disk space. <laughs> And, yes. you know, alternatively, I am a sysadmin, and if you, you know, if you take away my back registry backup, I will hunt you down and kill you. Um, <laughs> what I can't understand is, it, I mean, it's not, this isn't, these aren't big backups, are they? I mean. <laughs> no, 
50 to 100 meg is it neither here nor there not unless it's building you know not unless it keeps doing one after the other after the other i suppose and it's, oh yeah yeah but even yeah. then surely you could have a, a limiter that you know you only need seven days worth or something it's not um the only time i've ever messed with the registry in windows was um we were doing some automation and this is going back quite a few years doing some automation with um we were producing reports which we needed distributing by email as PDFs. Uh, and the only way at the time of uh, getting it to automatically send an email with a PDF attached was to write the path of the PDF to registry, to the, a registry um, uh, slot uh, in Adobe Acrobat so that it wouldn't throw up the, the dialogue to say, where do you want to save this? Oh, right, yeah. So, um, and it was the only way to do it. So so we had just wrote some code that would actually write it directly into registry uh, so that we could send the reports out. That's the only time I've ever really missed. But I know it was easy to break. <laughs> yeah. I think the only time I've ever uh, done anything in the registry was when um, XP uh, went end of life and there was a hack you could do to um, get your copy of XP to report itself as XP embedded, which is what they use in, you know, uh, ATMs and point of sale uh, right. units and whatnot. In, in which case you wouldn't be keep being prompt to upgrade it. <laughs> uh, well, no, the main thing was that you would continue to get security updates. Oh, right, okay. When, when, when uh, XP was told, no, no more security updates for XP, uh, that it got out that if you, uh, apart from XP embedded, because obviously you couldn't have ATMs without them getting security updates. Yes. So yeah. somebody published this um, registry alt that you did. And to say that I made a change to the registry, I read the instructions and followed them letter to by letter on how to make this <laughs> yes. change to a registry um, entry. And what it did was make your copy of XP report itself as uh, embedded so it would continue to get so security get updates. updates. Um, but there you go. Um, that's the only time I think I've ever messed with the registry. <laughs> Um, and I don't think yeah, following so somebody's step-by-step like, uh, instructions count. This action, this action is a little bit like sort of switching off time caps, time machine and saying, oh, we didn't think you needed to know. Yeah. <laughs> we just switched it off. We've just switched it off, yeah. Oh, you hmm. know how we, yeah, you know how we said it did backups every day, every hour, every day, you know, every week, whatever. Uh, yeah, well, well, it we doesn't just, do that. It doesn't do that. <laughs> we, we, it was taking up too much disk space. now. So, so now we only do a snapshot, you know, every other day. We, did, we didn't think we needed to tell you that. Um, no. So poor show. I, I don't know what they're doing about it. Um, I assume that they are probably going to turn it back on or, you know, hopefully perhaps make it a switch. Um, there uh, we go. Apparently there's a workaround. <laughs> and it says, ironically, it involves editing the registry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I bet it involves editing the registry, doesn't it? Oh dear. Um, there we are. Uh so if you are um, you know, a Windows 10 user, be aware that your registry is probably not being backed up. Um, there we are. Well, we've been going rather a long time. Um, so I think we'll just uh, skip on now to uh well, there was one thing we were going to talk about uh, and that is in this section. Um, worth a, worth a chirps. Um, Luminar 3 photo editor for Mac and PC. Um, is available for the low price of $41.50 
uh, normally $70, apparently, if you use the promo code TOYS15 uh, from, uh, this is from 9 to 5 Toys. So there you go. If you haven't got a copy of Luminar 3 and you're interested, uh, you could get effectively $30 off. Um, uh, Mac Jim sent us uh, an app which is called Train Pal. Uh, cheap train tickets by ctrip.com international. Uh, available uh, free on the App Store. Um, certified by uh, all the rail uh, authorities in the UK. So that will find you the best deal on how to get from oh, A to B. It's one of these t- ticket splitting Yes, jobs, isn't it? It, but yeah. it, well, it basically hunts for the best deal, including uh, ticket splitting and all the rest. Um, ah, cool. Yeah, if you so if you travel much by train, um, that's probably worth checking out. Um, Proton. Uh, for those of for those of you who aren't in the UK, <laughs> that uh, apparently it's sometimes cheaper to buy multiple short range tickets, even on the same line. Yes. Than buying a ticket to go from A to B, as it were. Yes. Uh, which is a bit bonkers, but there you go. Bizarrely. <laughs> um, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Is that you can buy multiple tickets and stay on the train the whole time, or you have to get off like you're doing flights? Like, like no, no, sometimes flights. sometimes it can be you stay on the same train. The, yeah, the idea is instead of saying I want to go from Ipswich to London, um, which, you know, and the price is, let's say, uh, uh, £100, it would be uh, buy a ticket to go Ipswich to Colchester and then a ticket from Colchester to Chelmsford and then Chelmsford to London and find that the total is only £85. And never leave your seat. Yeah, never yeah. leave your seat. You just buy the tickets in advance. You, because you, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to get off. You don't have to switch trains. No, it's about. Yeah, we've got a bit of a bonkers train system, but there you go. There we are. Um. So yes. Um. Proton VPN have got a a a good review on Wired, uh, described as a brilliant VPN with no data cap. Um. So there you go. Uh, Good. Good plus for our friends at Proton. Um. Speaking speaking of VPN, I just put this in the Slack. I I've been using Windscribe VPN. And they just released an update to their app that lets you whitelist um, networks like your home network or if you're on a network you trust. If you'd like to use a VPN just for um, public Wi-Fi, now their app lets you whitelist like your home VPN. So that it doesn't... Not turn it on. Yeah, that's that's good. That's a nice feature. Mm. That's a nice feature. Uh, I mean, obviously, with Proton, I don't have to worry because it's uncapped, but um, that's a nice feature. They're, they're very good. Very good. Um Mac Jim um, has sent in uh, Synology have launched a DS4195. Oh no, 19 Slim, sorry. Um, miniature NAS. Uh, there's a review here from uh, DP Review. That's digital photography, I believe. Um, and then we have got uh, Nick, the Lightyear One, an electric car which charges itself with sunlight. Which is what we were talking about before the uh, before the show. Yes. Um, fabulous, uh, good-looking car. Fabulous concept. Um, the roof and the bonnet, I believe, are covered with the equivalent of five square meters of photovoltaic panels. Um, and this what springs point? this springs, doesn't it, from the uh, what's it, the solar challenge or whatever? That's right. Apparently, this company have won the solar challenge a number of years. Uh, so that's where they. They get elect- uh, basically solar-powered vehicles of um, all sorts of different types, but usually very lightweight. Um, and then they just basically run them for as far as they can get them. Yes. Um, and often they're... Usually many many hundreds of miles. Yes. Well, that, um, 
that's on the um on the same kind of vein as the those challenges where it was like you know how car how far can you get a car to go on one gallon of um yeah it's that kind of that kind of actual, idea but for electric yeah. but for electric yes um it it does look um it does look quite an impressive i mean don't get me wrong it's very expensive yes. <laughs> but it's meant to be a luxury car um they need to partner uh, with disney and get like a buzz <laughs> like your edition uh, yeah, yes yeah uh but it's still quite cool. I mean, they reckon that the solar panels can um, could uh, generate as much as uh, seven kilowatts. So effectively, it would be like plugging it into the mains, yes. which, okay, is a very slow way of charging, but you could do it from the sun, which up until now hasn't been hasn't been possible. So, I mean, the the, the technology behind it is pretty clever. Yeah. Um, what did um, I... and technically, if you, if you parked it somewhere all day, you could end up with 50 or 60 miles of range by the time you've finished your day. I mean, it's a, it's a really nice-looking thing. It's got um, Italian-designed. Uh, um, it reminds me of something like the Nissan Coupes or um, maybe a, a sort of Alfa Romeo. It's a five-seater uh, coupe, fastback. Um, Yes, it, now you mention it, it, it looks a little bit like the, um, uh, what were they called, the DS series, Citroen DS. Yes, that, that, yes there's it, a kind of... It looks of, a little bit like those. There's a certain, um, yeah, reminiscent of that. Um, I read here somewhere... But basically, they're basically they're, it's very, it's very um, aerodynamic. Yes. Super uh, and no drag. The, and the whole of the top surface is uh, right the way from the bonnet all the way over and down the back. Is yes. all solar panels? Is all? Uh, I assume the solar panels are like transparent somehow, so you can see out the back window. Unless it's just all looks that looks weird. that way, yeah. I assume. Well, that'd be like a. I'm sure it's you. You know, here in the UK, we have a lot of cars with with you know effectively very dark glass um, rear windows. I mean, my. I think I think they did. I think uh, so. I watched a video um, uh, done by fully charged um, a, a YouTube channel. Um, and I think they said they were doing something about that, the the rear view. So I'm not sure that you can actually see through them. All oh, right. Okay. Um, but then they can put cameras in these days everywhere. So right. yeah, <laughs> you can yeah. essentially put a screen on the back window that you see through your car, and it makes it look like you're looking out the back of the car. We could possibly, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's um, we I yeah, say we have an idea. We haven't yet quite um, reached the Captain Scarlet uh thing though where where you sit backwards and uh drive the screen. <laughs> I remember that, yeah. Yeah, in the SPV the driver's actually sat facing backwards. Facing backwards, yeah. Um it does have car play. It does have car play, all right then. <laughs> oh I've got to get one then. <laughs> yeah. Um and by the way, just just while you uh, everybody as Nick said, it's quite expensive. It starts at one hundred and forty nine thousand euros. Ouch! Yes, that's the starting price. Um, so that's about what two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, I would have thought so. Um, I did. I did note actually somewhere in there because there's a lot of pa- panels in this um, on this website. Um, they say in there that the um, that the the solar panels are effectively embedded in some material, which means uh, an adult could actually walk across them without damaging them. Wow. Um, in case it's about one hundred seventy thousand dollars for the record. Okay. Oh right. Okay. Oh, well, you know, bar- that is expensive. Bargain, bargain. Um, <laughs> a- a- apparently, uh, you you can pre-order 
There's a Pioneer edition if you want to be one of the first hundred owners. Um, reservation payment is only 119,000 euros. Um, delivery expected early 2021. Um, you can be one of the first 1,000 uh, owners um, and uh, you can pay only 19,000 upfront. Um, or you can join the line after um, the first 1,000 uh, and then you need only put down 4,000 euros. Um, or you could lease one, apparently, for uh, 1,879 euros a month. Absolute bargain. It's a, it's a cool website. I mean, if, you, if you're interested in websites, go and have a look at the website because it, it, it's all it's uh, HTML5, I guess. Yeah, it's all HTML5 cleverness. It is. It's a very slick, very slick indeed. Um, well, that's a very interesting, uh, you know, it's nice, it's good. It's it's very, very, um, very, very commendable, just... Uh, Will it make it to market? I wonder. Well, I mean, if they're taking pre-orders, I'm assuming that that's uh, pretty much a, a given. Um, uh, maybe. At, in, it, interesting. This did catch my attention. Uh, all four independently controlled advanced torque vectoring drive. Uh, yes, because apparently the motors are built into the wheels. Yes. Um, so, which, not, so it doesn't have a separate motor. No. Uh, one one motor per wheel. Yes. Um, which it, this is a total aside, but. Um, for people who remember it, Steve Jackson games. There was a a, a game very popular, uh, you know, in the back in the day called Car Wars, and uh, in that he had uh, kind of projected that vehicles in the period that this uh, game was set would be electric and they would be driven by one motor per wheel. Oh, interesting. Yeah, there we are. That's a bit of pointless trivia. <laughs> <laughs> But there you go. It would appear that uh, Mr. Steve Jackson of Steve Jackson Games was more prescient than maybe people thought at the time. Um, and I, I think that's probably enough. Uh, John Nemo has, a, as it would happen, a special report about electric cars. Um, and uh, I think we'll play that after we're done. So I think uh, we should just wrap up now, really. I think we've done quite enough. So, uh, Donny, would you like to uh, do the wrap up? Uh, sure. Let's see. Um... You're allowed to say it's all in the show notes if you can't. <laughs> it's all in the show notes. No. Um, R-T-T-E-A-C-H-R at Twitter. Um, I do have a new drawing app, which I don't think we talked about because that was in the show that got um, not recorded. <laughs> but, um, I have a drawing app in, for um, the iPad. It has 30 videos um, of how to draw different things, and there'll be more added in the future. And it's currently on sale for $1.99 until I get the third and big section at it with more videos and then all the regular stuff with the books and the stickers and all that will be in the show notes yep it's all in the show notes uh nick i don't have an app (laughs) or anything (laughs) like that uh but you can find me occasionally on uh twitter um spligosh s-p-l-i-g-o-s-h and of course you turn up occasionally on um bart's uh let's talk apple i do indeed Right. Um, I am, of course, on the Twitters as at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. Uh, the show is at Essential Apple. Uh, bearing in mind that John Nemo has berated me, don't forget to go over to look at EssentialApple.com uh, for new articles, which uh, appear sporadically. Um I must say uh, thank you to everybody in the Slack, of course. If, if uh, listeners want to join the Slack, uh, go to the show notes and follow the link. Uh, Mac Jim uh, started up 
family-friendly Flickr group for listeners um, to share. Uh, go on over to uh, flickr.com groups uh, essential apple and request an invitation. Uh, please be patient if you request one because uh, he has other things to do than wait for people to apply. Um, and I think that's probably about everything for now. Uh, thank you to everybody who supports the show, of course, by Patreon, by the Tips Jar or otherwise. Um, and uh, I think that will be it. We'll say goodbye and uh, we'll let John Nemo uh, give you an interview about electric vehicles. So uh, until next week, goodbye. Bye all. See ya. Nemo's Hardware Store has a special report this week. Hello, Donna. Hello. Hi, David. Hello. Are you the same David from the podcast on NBA basketball? What's that podcast called? Basketball Insights. And yes, I am. Good. Well, it's good to see you here in person. And I'm pleased with what you've done so far on your podcast, which is part of the MyMac Podcasting Network. Everybody look that up. Basketball Insights with NBA Dave. Tell me about your car, Donna. I have an electric Kia Soul. Kia, K-I-A? Uh-huh, that's how, correct. How do you spell Soul? Uh, S-O-U-L. Are you pleased with that car? I love that car, yes. What's so great about it? Uh, the fact that I don't ever have to buy gas or um, have any maintenance done to it every month. And how much did it cost, approximately? Mm, actually, David could probably answer okay. that. Okay, so do you have one also, David, a Kia Soul? I have a Volkswagen e-Golf, electric golf. So this is not a mixed marriage. This is a, a very consistent marriage of two electric cars. Is that right? That is correct. So how did you pick the golf and how did Donna pick the soul? That's, that's more of a long answer. But uh, the short answer is we wanted to kind of tiptoe into electric cars two years ago. And we figured that the technology would probably be where we want it to be i.e. 300-mile range in the year 2020 or 2021. So in 2017, we needed just kind of a short-term solution. There were many. There was a federal program that offered about $7,000. There was a state of California program that offered $2,500. And there was a federal program that would pay 30% of your solar install. So we took advantage of all of these programs in the summer of 2017 and we're going to drive these two cars for about three years and then get our forever car uh, banking on the fact that the technology will be where we want it to be in a year or two. Well, that's pretty soon. Are you ready to give up the soul? Yes, I am. Do you know what car you want, Donna, when you get rid of the soul? Well, um, right now we're going to be a one-car family. Uh-huh. Once I get rid of the soul and David wants to get a Tesla. Okay, so you're thinking big time and long term. Yeah, well, I think the Tesla Model 3 is really, you know, if you want a range of 300 miles, Tesla is your brand. And the, you know, that Model S and X are very expensive. But in the time since we got into the Soul and the Golf, the 3 has now been released. It's been mass produced. People love it. It's been tested. It's safe, fast, effective. It can go 310 miles and it will be available in 2020 then it was not available in 2017. And are you okay with not having your own car? 
Uh, yeah, I'm fine because uh, whenever I go somewhere, David's usually home and vice versa. So we can just uh, work with each other's schedules like that. And if you have to take an Uber or Lyft, it's not the end of the world. That's right. There's always other options for transportation these days. What's the cost of the Tesla 3 and what kind of incentives and other kickbacks are there? Sure. Well, the current administration has rolled back or declined or negated a lot of those programs that I alluded to earlier. So the the offer is not as good. You have to pay more out of your pocket and less out of President Obama's pocket. Uh, he was very nice. Um, but I, I think basically the answer to your question is the three starts at about 35K. And how fancy do you want it? Do you want autopilot? Do you want self-driving, self-parking? Okay. The, all, all of that can get it up to 45 or 50 probably. So it's a mid-priced car. It's not a luxury car. It's not a budget car like the Soul. That's correct. Good. Have you test-driven or test-drove or whatever, test-drive this <laughs> Tesla to see if you actually like it? I test-drove a Model S a couple years ago, and it is like a spaceship from the future. It is spectacular. And I will note the MSRP of my current Golf is 36K and, huh. and Donna's Soul EV is also in the 35, 36K. Oh. So the Model 3, oh. to your point, is is kind of a step below the high luxury. It's more targeted uh, at a more affordable market and price point. So it's not that much different from a Camry that's fully loaded. <clears throat> exactly. You know, I think it, it's really trying to take on the BMW Model 3, the Mercedes C-Class, Toyota Camry, those type of cars. And by the way, the Tesla Model 3 is selling more than all of those combined in the state of California, for sure. <laughs> that's terrific. Okay, well, I think now that we've got this car, where are you going to go in it? How far are you going to go? Are you going to go 300 miles? Um, we're going to take more road trips with the dogs. Because what the Tesla does is it um, tells you what where the next um, charging station is. Um, not other the other electric vehicles don't do that. Good. And are you concerned about getting to 260 miles and not being able to get to your place by bedtime? Yes. What do we call that? De range anxiety. Range anxiety. <laughs> Absolutely. And with our with our current vehicles, our range is. 80, 90, 100 miles. So the range anxiety pops up a bit more. But now with a range of 300 miles and the supercharging network and also the the availability of places where you can stop and charge your car has also multiplied greatly over the last two years. So our range anxiety has decreased and we want to do Joshua Tree and Lake Tahoe and Yosemite and Bryce Canyon and Zion in Utah. So uh, that, those are our targets once we get the electric car with the greater range. And where do you live? Uh, we live in Claremont. <gasps> okay, that's near what big city? San Diego, California. Okay, so you're way down in the far southwest corner of the United States. Right, but, you know, Utah and Northern California can be a five, six, seven hour drive. So it's not like driving across the country or anything Very bad good. like that. And what are you going to do with your Kia Soul, Donna? Well, uh, we're just going to return it back to the dealership. Is it on a lease? <laughs> yes, it's a lease. So will you get any money back from that? Probably not, but it'll be um, a, a good test for us. And actually, I think the technology has advanced to the point where at some point we will look back and laugh and say, I, I can't believe we, 
we're driving a car that could only go 85 miles on one charge. It'll be like looking back and say how we used to watch VHS or read newspapers, <laughs> you know, all of these things that are just obsolete now. Good. Any parting words for our listeners, Donna, on your Kia Soul transition to the one car family with the new Tesla that you don't have yet? <laughs> Well, um, we'll see you on the road on our new Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> what color do you want to get? Uh, we want blue. Okay. Mm-hmm. Make sure she gets to pick the color. That's right. Happy <laughs> wife, happy life. Good. Thank you very much, Donna. Thank you, John. And thanks, David. Oh, thanks for having us. Everybody, thanks for listening to Nemo's Hardware Store, the special report from San Diego, California, for the electric automobile pioneers, Donna and David. You've been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast. And I'd like to say if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show. Uh, Or even if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club Podcast, the Geekiest Show Ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh, Bart Bouchotts and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I've forgotten. So why not go over to mymac.com, take a look at the available podcast, and take a listen. Hi, I'm Bart Bouchotts, host of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. Every month I gather together a panel of Apple followers and we digest the month's Apple news. Our aim is to step back and take a 40,000 foot view of all things Apple. We're the perfect complement to the many great daily news shows out there. Listen and subscribe at www.letstalk.ie. Again, another time. Until then, goodbye.